I spent years, I mean, decades of my life thinking that I could pray this thing out with God and, and then becoming more and more angry with God and disillusioned at who he is and, and how he feels about me because he's not showing up and doing what I think he should do to heal and fix this, but he's commanded that it be done through community. And and I just never got that. The church never talked about that. The costume's only gonna last so long and it, and it is going to destroy you. And I'm not being melodramatic about that. It is going to destroy you. You cannot live out of a false identity. You cannot just pretend or try desperately, desperately, desperately to be somebody else. It will destroy you at some point. And we are at war really with God. But I think the core of that, the underlying foundation of that is all of this angst and pain and and just trying to figure out who in the world I am to find meaning and purpose in life. Somebody listening, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter who might be in that situation that, you know, that is lonely, doesn't really have a community, wants to live out an obedient Christian life as best they can, but happens to have things, whether it's same-sex attraction or whatever else, that they know aren't in alignment, that they're trying not to live that out. But just what would you say to somebody that's in that situation? My encouragement is that change does happen. When we think of change as an instant where God snaps his finger and it's all different, that's not the kind of change we're talking about. But the truth is there's also something that is rich and valuable about taking up our cross and Jesus commands us to do this. We want to be a follower of his, a disciple of his. We have to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow after him. reference James 5.16 earlier and in the reality that James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much or righteous woman accomplishes much. And and so the, the purpose of it's a command, first of all, that we are to right, confess our right. sins to one another. Do we live in that rhythm of confession? Does anyone in the church live in that rhythm of confession to the, the one another's? Uh, no. I mean, I, I know I, I know very few people who practice a confessional life. Now, many, many Christians, a number of Christians will practice confessional mm-hmm. life with God, but that's not what that passage says. It says we are to confess to one another. And then what are we to do? We're to pray for yep. each other for the purpose of healing. Well, I, I, I spent years, I mean, decades of my life thinking that I could pray this thing out with God and, and then becoming more and more angry with God and disillusioned at who he is and, and how he feels about me because he's not showing up and doing what I think he should do to heal and fix this. But he's commanded that it be done through community. Absolutely. And and I just never got that. The church never talked about that when I was young. That some, or I didn't get it. No, we didn't, didn't get that as kids. The church, in, in my opinion, especially, you know, Protest, mainline Protestant churches, for the most part, have not done a good job as, of emphasizing the, ne- not just the necessity, but the command. It is not, it's not a suggestion right. from Jesus. It is a command to be in community. Right. And regarding, you know, the transgender issue, I would say at least, you know, year to so far in history, there might be even more stuff coming on down the line. But I will say, if, if there's anything that's the quintessential self-rejection, absolutely reject literally who you who you are, rejecting yes. your body, rejecting your gender, everything about you, and trying to create a, a completely different identity to the point where, as you mentioned, it's literally your dead name. I 
as much as I would like to sit on my throne and judge those people, oh, they're sinful and they're doing that, you know, I, I didn't go into the, the whole transgender issue, but in my own self-rejection and my own trying to just re- completely recreate a whole new identity as somebody else, you know, I, I did the same thing just, just under, just with different window mm-hmm. dressing. So I, I understand that. I, I understand the desire. But I will, what I would say to anybody that's in that situation is, you know, the costume's only going to last so long and it, and it is going to destroy you. And I'm not being melodramatic about that. It is going to destroy you. You cannot live out of a false identity. You cannot just pretend or try desperately, desperately, desperately to be somebody else. It will destroy you at some point. But the alternative to that is Christ absolutely will restore what was just what Christ will restore that. I'm getting clumsy here, but go ahead, Gary. So, so Jeremiah, the other thing I would love to talk about, you, you shared your story with us. We've done some unpacking based on what you shared in your story. We've talked about a lot of things around, you know, really happening in culture, a lot of issues happening in the church, things that were missing in the church that could have been very helpful for both you and me uh, growing up, those kinds of things. And both you and I are ones who know that God's plan A for the world is the church. And and we love the church. It's not a matter of, of we're not trying to bash the church or any of that, but recognizing that the church can be so much better and frankly, so much more more relevant than what it is right now. It's not that it's not that the gospel is irrelevant. It's not that the scriptures are irrelevant. It's certainly not that God is irrelevant. It, it, in every age, in every um, season of life, the the gospel and uh, in and who God is 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 totally relevant. There's nothing more relevant than that. In the in the foundation that He has established as the church as the church. Is completely relevant, it. But it's. But the church has abdicated, certainly in the West, at least, and in, in the U.S. and and and, a, and certainly a number of other countries. I think some countries are thriving in their faith, absolutely, and they are practicing and living out re- genuine authenticity and vulnerability. We're not talking about the church worldwide and in every country, but we are talking about how, and it tends to be this way, doesn't it? That that when when the church enjoys rest and relative peace. And, and in many ways, kind of being in the driver's seat of culture, that we become um, fat and happy. I mean, we become sloppy. Our grace becomes sloppy. Our, our, um, our weapons against the enemy become rusted and dull. And, and we ourselves can become so dull. And I think that's a lot of what's happened in the U.S. is that we've become quite dull. And we are, we are practicing in many ways the the church of the U.S. is living out some of what uh, Revelation chapter two and chapter three, uh, where Jesus is really going after the church on on a number of levels. We have several churches there that are tolerating and even encouraging teachers and others within the in the their congregations to be teaching that sexual immorality is actually a good thing that uh in and, and, and allowing for that to they're so tolerant of of these teachers and those who are practicing these things and Jesus nails them and we have so many churches in the United States that are either uh, celebrating and, t- and and teaching falsehood, false prophets, false teachers on these issues of, of sex and identity uh, and sexuality, but 
we also have a number of churches who aren't doing that, but they're silent. They're, they, they don't know what to say. They're not saying much of anything. And then we have some churches that are at, and we need to see a, a much bigger growing number. And I, and I'm thankful that I feel like the church that Melissa and I are connected with the, the church you're connected with, I feel like they are really working hard to, in, 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 in to, to live within the tension of our ministry name. I mean, not that they're striving to be our ministry name, but this love and truth tension, this Jesus was full of grace and truth. They want to be fully, um, uh, to fully embody grace and truth, knowing that the truth of the scriptures and what the Bible teaches as true is what brings about the greatest human thriving, the greatest human prosperity. When I say prosperity, I don't mean financial prosperity, but rather uh, emotional, soul level, spiritual prosperity, relational prosperity. Yeah, Gary, on that, you know, I feel if I had to pick two words to the state of the American church right now, again, not talking about overseas, I'm talking about here in the United States, complacency and being lukewarmness. The, those are two words. If I had, mm-hmm. if I had to pick two, that that would be the state of that. There's a problem with that, or, and there's a lot of hope there. The problem with that is, okay, Gary, look, when we're looking at the, the the suicide rate amongst transgender individuals right now, when we're looking at all the other, you know, sexual brokenness that's going on, and it's increasing, you know, this this cultural hurricane that's going on in the United States, a whole lot of people are being completely caught in the middle of it, caught in the crossfire, and they're being wounded. God's church has got to be the healing hospital that they can go to, the healing hospital for the soul. The good part of that is I do feel like God can, you know, I don't think that God is done with his church, you know, all throughout scripture. We're not, okay, well, the heck with you, just go do whatever. You know, God's always calling us to be the salt, to be the light. I think that if we, as, and, I'm, and I'm including myself here, you know, again, if we would just get out of the lukewarm, the the complacency, the churchianity, and really step up and be the body of Christ in the culture, those individuals, you know, people don't have to be dying and going to hell every day. That are, it's every single day this is happening, and there are souls that are being lost that don't have to be lost. This uh, this insanity that's going on with our culture right now, not only could the church be a, um, a bulwark against that, but we could start to turn the tide on a lot of these things. We could be, be bringing people right. into our sanctuaries that five years ago would not have gone near a church under any circumstances, but they're so desperate for answers now, they would be willing to hear the hope of Jesus. And imagine if they went into a place where the Holy Spirit is there, they're serving the Lord, and oh my gosh, what, you want to talk about transformation, what could that be like for a lot of these people? But we're not there right now. And Absolutely. the tragedy of it is every day people are dying and go, going to an eternal horror that I can't even imagine, and it shouldn't be that way. Right. Absolutely. And those who are you know, in life right now, trying to, trying to navigate and figure out who they are, you know, what is their identity? What I think people are, are scrambling and desperately. I, I often talk about two areas of life that we were uh, created to need. And that is a sense of belonging, uh, of, of really being loved and valued in a place of belonging and also um, deep and meaningful purpose. So belonging and purpose. And I think so much of those, the lack of those two things are driving so much of our confusion about identity. And so it's very compelling when you think about a young person who's wrestling with 
the the divorce that his parents are going through and the upheaval that's going on and and living in a in a home where we go to church every Sunday but yet the modeling of what it means to be a Christian is anything but practiced and where where there's again just innumerable issues going on from the the the, the communication about climate issues to war to uh, uh, famine, to you know, there's too many people in the in the world. Uh, to honestly, our death culture of caring nothing about life in the womb, nothing about uh, preborn life, and and honestly, caring in in many ways very little about older people. If you're not contributing to to society in some meaningful way, why are you even existing? I mean, I think there's such a darkness, such a spirit of death that is um, that that's encroaching on our society and on the lives of young people to bring about such despair. You mentioned suicide, that's one avenue, but, but how compelling it must be to a young person to feel like, oh, I'm in the wrong body. I mean, I, it, I'm, I'm, I've been, I'm living out something that doesn't fit me, that's the issue. And so I'm going to believe all the propaganda that's being screamed from the rooftop that that I can become a boy if I'm a girl, or I can become a girl if I'm a boy, or a man if I'm a woman, a woman if I'm a man, or I can become any of those things or none of those things. I can, I mean, we have examples, and you've seen it as well, of, of people who are not just uh, claiming opposite genders or different genders or gender non-binary, but now uh, trans, trans species, yep. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, yeah. And so, you know, where does it end? Well, it doesn't. Uh, and because we've, we've really become our own gods and, and we are setting ourselves up for complete disaster. As you were saying earlier, the reality is, is a boy can never become a girl. A girl can never become a boy just because he takes uh, hormone blockers and then later takes estrogen and, and, and a girl may take hormone blockers and later take testosterone or some combination thereof, go through and, and have some kind of surgery done, which is mutilation of healthy body parts. It, it doesn't change the core of who they are, which, in, which is an image bearer of God in our masculine being or Correct. our feminine being. There's very intentional ways that God made us as masculine and feminine beings, as boys and girls, as men and women. And we are at war really with God. But I think the core of that, the underlying foundation of that is all of this angst and pain and and just trying to figure out who in the world I am to find meaning and purpose in and life. And you hit the nail right on the head right there at the end. So, okay, if the lie is, okay, if I just become the other gender, oh, it'll be so much better. I'll never be hurt like that again. I'll never get taken advantage of. I'll, I'll never have to deal with all the problems that I'm dealing with right now. Okay, so let's do the thought experiment. And this is not hypothetical because we've heard testimony after testimony. So you go through it. You have the surgeries. You Irreversible surgery done on yourself. You're on the hormones. You know, you're, you're physically, you're starting to look like the other gender. Okay, so you get there. You've gone through the whole worldly solution of that. Your pain is still there. The problems that you had before are still there, only now they're amplified. And now you've got no right. answers. Now you've done things that are irreversible. There's no coming back from that. What happens? What happens when, you know, you've gone through all of this, the whole transgender transition, as they call it, et cetera, et cetera. And at the very end of that conveyor belt, you're still the same person that you were before. You still have the same problems. You still have the same pain. What happens then? 
And right now the world has, A, they have no answers to that, and B, it's not even allowed to be discussed. Don't you, Right now, I'm sure somebody listening, oh, he's being transphobic, he's, per, you know, this and that and the other. It's literally not even a, it's a forbidden subject to even talk about these things in contemporary culture right now. But again, right. people are dying right. every day, and the church has got to be there. Otherwise, what's going to happen next? Well, and even if it doesn't lead to um, suicide, which again, this, the rate of suicide amongst transgenders that are, that's post-surgery is is just astronomically high compared to the rest of the culture, and and so um, even if it doesn't lead to suicide, the the reality, the the hopelessness that's that can set in, and that 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 utter sense of oh my god what have i done to myself or what have i allowed others to do to me that uh, 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 i'm thinking of chloe cole you know as i think she was 13 maybe, maybe no it's not 13 i think she was 16 when she had a um a double mastectomy and 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 she or here she was believing this whole uh, this whole lie all the propaganda around it and now i think she just turned 19 if i'm not mistaken and so she's 18 or 19 I think she just turned 19, but she's, she's now keenly aware that she will never be able to breastfeed a baby. Uh, you know, she will never, there, there's, there's things that now, um, that children are not even thinking about. They're not even, uh, no, nor should they have to process this stuff when they are children, right? I mean, our brains don't even begin to, aren't even fully developed until we are 25, 26 years old. And here we are expecting children, believing they're two-year-olds. I mean, it's so ridiculous that two-year-olds know what gender they are. And and so therefore, if a boy is saying he's a girl at two, then, you know, let's get him on the, on the, the train uh, to uh, the transgender train, basically. And, and so there's just so much damage that's happened and, and people's lives that have been broken. But let's go back to what you were saying a moment ago. And, it, and it's so important. So there is destruction. There is so much that's left in the wake of not just trans culture. That's certainly true. But basically in this idea that I'm going to be whoever I want to be. I don't care who God's made me to be. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to yield to God at all. Self is going to become my God. And we're living in that culture. But the truth is, what I think should be incredibly encouraging for the church is that we have such a phenomenal opportunity to love yes, like Jesus I loved. Mean, we have such a phenomenal opportunity to become equipped, to become, to become, you, you used the phrase earlier, uh, a teaching hospital. Uh, we, be, we have the ability to become the next nurses and doctors and specialists at, at a spiritual, emotional, uh, soul level um, that that the culture is in desperate need of and is only going to be in greater need of. And, and so we need to really dig in and not dig our foxholes and jump into them and wait till right. everything passes. That's not what God is calling us to, but to truly dig in and to prepare ourselves to be equipped to walk with people, to walk alongside people and give them the true hope of the gospel and the God who loves them, no matter how far they've gone from his original design, it is not too late in this life to come back and to repent and for God to restore the heart and the soul of that person. I'd actually like to ask you a question on that because first off, <clears throat> yes, you're absolutely right. You know, when Jesus talked about 
the fields are right for the harvest, but the workers are few. I mean, you want to talk about fields that are right for the harvest right now, but okay. But, <clears throat> pardon me. Let me ask you this for somebody that's listening right now. Okay. And all right, you know what? I agree with you guys. I feel really convicted. I want to be out there ministering. I want to be able to help people, but okay. They've, ne- they've never known anybody that's transgender yet. They feel so um, unqualified. They feel so, uh, you know, I-, I wouldn't even know where to begin to have the conversation. And I'm so afraid that I'm going to do something wrong or I'm so afraid that I might inadvertently do harm that I don't mean. I just don't even, I- I'm too I'm too intimidated by the whole situation. So I'm not going to talk to that, that gay person. I'm not going to talk to that transgender person or this man that used to be a sex offender and now he's coming into our church. What the heck do I say to him? So Gary, what would you say to somebody that they have, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They have a heart that wants to help, but they feel so inadequate and so unqualified, and therefore they're worried to even take the first step. So, what, what, what would you? How would you speak into that? No, that's a great question, and I, honestly, I think that where to begin with that. Well, first of all, and I know this sounds trite, it's it, it's not trite at all. They really need to begin with prayer first and foremost, really, and and asking the Lord to. Like, it's as if, as you say that, it's as if. Um, the their heart uh, has a has a flame, and and there's the Lord is awakening something in them that that longs to be His hands and feet, His heart, the expression of His love to broken people and a broken culture. In as you recognize those longings in your own heart, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to fan that flame, and then the other thing would be get real with God. And then obviously we talked about this, get real with others, um, find some other uh, safe men or women. When I say safe, we not, no one's perfect, but there are those who will maintain confidence and there's those, some who won't, but most will, especially if they agree to that, but find that safe group so that, so that you are actually, what you desire to do for others that you're actually living that out yourself. So whether it's, whether it's struggle in your own sexuality, whether it's opposite sex lust issues or it's um, pornography addiction or, or, or chronic masturbation or any of these things that might be a reality in your own life. If it's an eating disorder, if it's, um, uh, the, the, uh, longstanding maybe bitterness or unforgiveness, whatever the thing, the thing or things are, you don't have to be perfect. That's for darn sure. But we also don't want to, as Christians, be trying to minister to other people when we ourselves are in bondage in some area of our own lives. So, so ask the Lord to, uh, the Holy Spirit to fan that flame that's in your heart. It's a good desire. It's from him. Uh, it's a, it's a godly desire. Let me put it that way. And then also ask the Lord to really search your own heart. And do you have that band of brothers? Do you have that band of sisters? If you don't, you don't have the, the, the support system around you that is, that is the God intends every single son and daughter to have in the kingdom. And then I would say, go to your, and this isn't like do this and then complete this and then do this and complete that and then do this. It, these things can begin to happen simultaneously, but, um, Talk to your pastor, talk to your leadership, let them know what's, what is on your heart. Let them know what the, what the ache of your heart is that you feel like God is leading you to do and see if there's a way, not, not, oh, hey, pastor or hey, church, I want you to do such and such, but rather I'm coming as a solution. I think that there's, there's a problem, obviously in culture, there's, there's 
I want to be part of the solution of our church. I don't want to ask you to take on one more thing as a leader because most pastors are, are well beyond capacity for what they should even be doing. So become as part of the solution, but, but asking how can I serve in this capacity? Do you know others? Are others coming to you asking about this? And if they're not, would you would you please make sure that if if they do, or can can you maybe think with me about a way that that you could help me become more equipped and uh, along with others to be released to be part of the solution in our church body for those who are wrestling and struggling. So again, you're not doing it all by yourself, that you're doing it in the context, that you're growing in your own spirituality, that you're growing in your own vulnerability. Also learn to share your story. Learn to share the, the deep and broken places God has brought you from and the places he's still working on now because none of us have arrived. There's stuff that God is still working out in my life and, and stuff that will yet come in the future that, uh, that, that I'm not even you know fully yet aware of, but, but he is constantly working these things out. So, so be aware of what God wants to do in you even as you... Um, have that develop that band of brothers, that band of sisters around you as you talk with your pastor, as you talk with your Christian leader, find out how you can get plugged in and get involved in serving the Lord in the lives of hurting and broken people. And again, do it as, as being part of a community, not just off on your own, uh, trying to serve outside of the body oh, that of Christ. Is so good. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I just, you know, for anybody listening, you know, God, God will equip you, you know, if, if he puts you into a situation Everything that Gary just said, I agree with 100%. But also, you know, realize ultimately, is, is if you're walking in obedience and you know that you're walking in the will of God, you don't have to figure everything out. He will get in the moment. He will give you exactly what you need to be able to minister to others. It's not just 100% pressure on your shoulders either. And I just think <clears throat> I just think that's an important point to, to bring up. Well, and I want to say one other sure. thing on that, Jeremiah, too. And, you know, you and I both love Melissa, my wife loves uh, the Living Waters program. And I've already talked about it a little bit in our time together. But the, you know, going, that's one of the places that you, uh, Desert Stream Ministries, desertstream.org, and and looking, you know, through their website, which is both, uh, has has a place for both co- Protestants and Catholics. Uh, so it's it's unusual in that sense that there's there's real camaraderie and and love. Yes, there's distinctives for sure, uh, and and we don't have to be on the same page exactly as everyone else. But there's something about the the Living Waters program that we've experienced over years and years of time that has been so rich and so profound. So Living Waters is a great place um, if you can if there's a program near you, getting involved in that program. It's a 20 week program getting involved, applying for it, getting involved in it. I don't care what your issues are. It's just a great place to become more equipped, but beyond equipping, it's also a place for you to receive deeper healing. And that's necessary as well. Uh, very necessary, actually, that we don't launch off thinking that we, we're kind of whole enough and I'm going to go out and help those poor folk, whoever those poor folk might be. But rather, you know what? I'm one of those poor folk and I'm going to get deeper um, healing even as I'm learning to get equipped for others. So Living Waters is great at that. So there's the 20-week program, but then there's also two or three times a year when Desert Stream runs a five... I 
think it's a five day intensive that's called um, the Living Waters Training. And if you go to desertstream.org and the top right corner, there's a Living Waters tab. If you click on that, you'll you'll see lots of drop downs that you can go to and find out more information about the program and about the training. And um, the trainings are phenomenal. And at the training, you can really become more equipped um, to take this and, and, and consider running living waters back in your own church. You could, and I, again, would ideally say, do that, uh, with your church, having full knowledge of what you're, uh, wanting to do. They might even support financially and, and more importantly in prayer and spiritual, be spiritual covering for you as, as you explore the possibility of living waters. But that's again, just a great inner healing program, the best we know of, and there's other good ones out there, but the best that we know of, is the Living Waters program for helping a church really dig into the the cultural issues around sexuality and identity and 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 frankly you know everything that's more common in in church settings than just right. that. Right. No, absolutely. So. That program by far and away was phenomenal um going through that. I think the the whole concept of listening prayer so it isn't, you know, group therapy, it isn't, you know, this technique or that technique. It's literally inviting right. Jesus Christ into some of these deep, deep areas that, as we've discussed, don't get talked about yep. a whole lot, but very, very, very good program. I, w- I would highly recommend for sure. Yep. Well, and so, Jeremiah, there's one other, um, and obviously this episode is going to be broken up mm-hmm. into two, uh, needs to be. But there's, an, so you talked about uh, your story of uh, from growing up in, in the home that you grew up in up to the point of, of really coming to faith in Christ at an early age, at 13 or so, and then um, really entering into a lot of brokenness despite that. And coming to a place of getting involved in some men's groups, finding healing there. And then we talked a lot about, um, you know, kind of other cultural issues around that. And then we talked about you and I first getting connected through um, one of your guys in your group really saying, hey, I heard Gary and Melissa, you really need to reach out to them. And anyway, you and I got connected in that. But neither of us was expecting what God had nope. in store um, <laughs> beyond that, right? And yeah. and so, you know, who would have thought that, uh, whatever, a couple of years later, after we first met, that you're going to be on staff with our ministry, right? And and my assistant, the, operate, the director of operations, and, and doing just so much behind the scenes. And also teaching and um, sharing your testimony and those kinds of things. So not just behind the scenes, but some right on the front line. And, and so talk a little bit about it. Well, let me say this first. I mentioned front line. Not only where have you been on the front line in terms of sharing your testimony in friendly places, like in churches and doing conferences, conferences with us and that kind of thing, but also uh, standing against the, one of the, the bills that was being proposed here in Arizona, uh, you and some others, um, we wrote letters because we were going to, Melissa and I were going to be out of town for a ministry event and couldn't go, but uh, those letters went with you and, and you guys went and stood up and really defended the right that people have of self-determination, uh, which is one of the tenets, basic tenets of, of mental health is that people have the right of self-determination and the right to set their own goals for their, their desired outcomes. And really what you guys went and did was to stand up in the face of uh, at, at least with some who are pretty hostile to this idea, they want to ban 
the right of individuals to seek their own uh, treatment and goals and the methods by which to do that and those that they would long to come alongside of them and and support their faith um, perspective. Or maybe they don't even have a faith perspective, but they just have a belief that's different than the... um, than the belief that you're supposed to toe the line to these days, uh, which is nothing but pro LGBT celebration. Uh, so, so you've, you've had your kind of your fingers, your hands, uh, in all of it. And, and that's been, what have you been on staff for like three yeah, years? It's been about three us? and a half years. And, or, you know, to go back yeah. a little bit, I, I, <laughs> if somebody had told me 10 years ago, I would be living like how I'm living now. I would have been like, Oh, please impossible pipe dream. I mean, <laughs> around the time, you know, my, where my headspace was at, even when, when, you know, the first year or so that I was talking to you was okay. Well, I, I, I want to be cured of all my sexual issues. My marriage is falling apart. So God, I, I need you to restore my marriage. Uh, you know, finances are difficult, right? A whole lot of things have been going on at the company that I've been working for. So a lot of things kind of crashed in at once. Okay. That's where my mind was at the time. Unfortunately, the the divorce did happen because, you know, I waited way, way too late to start dealing with my things. So that happened there. Um, Been stuck in a job that I absolutely, utterly despised, but I'd been there for years because it paid the bills and I had a, a family to take care of. You know, dealing with my own brokenness, fast forward to now, you know, working for this ministry, you know, and I'm learning, you know, just cool things, you know, learning how to build websites and I'm learning about videography and, you know, the whole administrative side, but having the opportunity, you know, even, even on a kind of an informal basis sometimes, but, and again, folks, this is not me bragging or boasting. This is all about God, not me, because I never would have predicted this, but I, I've had people come to me, you know, and they've shared some of their own stories and they've shared, um, you know, thanking me because they were able to relate to me a little bit, even though they didn't deal with the same stuff, but they've honored me and they've trusted me enough to, um, in some cases for the first times in their lives to open up about some things that they'd been through that they'd never been able to tell anybody before. Yeah. I, I never could have seen that coming. You know, the judgmental faker jerk from 10 years ago, that, that, that guy never would have been able to do these kinds of things, let alone, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, well, I'm just going to find my, cause I'm the most jacked up person on the planet, of course. So, I'll try to find my own healing. It didn't even enter my cranium that at some point that I would, God would be able to use me to bring some healing to others. You know, th- this is an example of the stuff that if we will just follow him and let him work, um, that that could be there. And then, and then, yeah, last year, and again, this never would have seen this coming, but, you know, we go to the Arizona House of Representatives. There's a bill on there, which, which not only was going to be destructive to individuals, but also people within the mental health community were having these legal shackles put on them. So my turn uh, comes to get up there. So I was supposed to be up there for two minutes. That was all the time that I was allotted. So I say my piece. But what happened was um, they started firing off questions at me. And in that moment, it was, okay, I've got two options here. I'm either going to just get intimidated and run out of this room with my tail between my legs or, God, help me out here because I'm going to tell these people what I really think. Mm-hmm. Ended up being up there for over 15 minutes. Um going back and forth and, you know, answering their questions as honestly as I could. But I, I was, I was not willing in that moment to just, to just cave to pressure and, you know, tell them what they wanted to hear. So, you know, and I I certainly am not going to claim credit for that bill never going forward. You know, there are many others there, Becky, another one of the wonderful volunteers with love and truth network, Mm -hmm. um, Kathy Herrick for the center of Arizona policy. So there were a lot of us that came together, but the point is God gave me an opportunity however small it might have been to speak against this and to speak my mind before these legislators do my little piece to stop this asinine bill from being able to put forward shoot do you think i ever would have seen something like that coming even five years ago having having the privilege of being able to do that 
So it's it's been an amazing journey, and it, and, it, and it was never my vision, Gary. This this was not my you know my precious plan, and I had my whole life goals mm-hmm. lined out and where I thought that I was going to be at this stage. And, you know, I had my whole stuff. I think God just kind of chuckled at that because he had something not only different, but better in mind. So Gary, with all of that being said though, you know, I, I, I don't want to misrepresent myself to our listeners or anybody, you know, make it, you know, everything's perfect and peaches and cream right now, because that's not the case. You know, that I'm a divorce man. Um, you know, unfortunately I still deal with same sex attraction. I will not take on the label of a gay Christian or the gay celibate Christian. We can talk about that if you want, but that whole other reason that I avoid that topic. Um, but you know, okay, I'm a middle-aged man at this stage of my life. My children are grown, rebuilding things. I have these attractions that God hasn't healed yet. Um, most likely, you know, who knows what the Lord may bring, but I'm probably not going to be married again. So I'm just trying to do the best I can to be obedient and to move forward. And some, you know, sometimes it is a little hard to feel like I have a community or place. And again, in my, in my case, I've been very, very blessed to have been given that. But for somebody listening, you know, man or woman, it doesn't matter who might be in that situation that, you know, that is lonely, doesn't really have a community, wants to live out an obedient Christian life as best they can, but happens to have things, whether it's same-sex attraction or whatever else, that they know aren't in alignment, that they're trying not to live that out. But just what would you say to somebody that's in that situation um, that I'm in currently? Well, yeah. So again, great question. And the truth is that is true for every single one of us over the course of time. I mean, Melissa and I are always very open about the fact that we still experience some same-sex attraction, even as a married couple. And uh, now what I would say is that what was a an all-consuming desire and this deep, deep longing, really a compulsion to be in relationship with a man sexually, romantically, emotionally, uh, that has has greatly diminished, but it's not gone away altogether. Uh, and, and and honestly, that's what I desired. That's what all of us have desired. But the truth is, when we spent years reinforcing that and and reinforcing uh, the the emotions, the the longings, the 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 lust and the attraction. I mean, all of that. When we spent years reinforcing that, why would that just go away? Uh, I know of a couple people that God just did a sudden work, and and really they experienced. Re- orientation to the opposite gender in in hmm. an instant wow. and uh, but that's not normative for all of us that that is not normative for most of us god calls us to a process of discipleship my encouragement is that change does happen. When we think of change as an instant where God snaps his finger and it's all different, that's not the kind of change we're talking about. On occasion, that does happen. Like I said, I know a couple of people that that, that did happen with, that, that God chose by his miraculous power to do something unique um, in their lives. But the truth is, there's also something that is rich and valuable about taking up our cross and Jesus commands us to do this. If we want to be a follower of his, a disciple of his, we have to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow after him. And 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 also that that passage goes on and Jeremiah maybe you can put this on the screen, but this the passage goes on and talks about the the reality that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep. And this is really it's this is a Jim Elliot quote or Jim Elliot quotes this passage, but the, the one who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose, right? And and, and so there's there is a richness and a um, a beauty and a glory to pursuing Jesus and following Him, whether our ultimate wish to have all of this gone, 
all of the struggle, all the temptation gone, it's unlikely, frankly, in this life that it is going to be gone. And the, and how, but the question is, how do we steward that? Everybody on the planet deals with temptation. Everybody on the planet deals with lust. Everybody on the planet deals with lust of some kind, whether it's sexual right. or otherwise. And so how are we going to steward that? And when we've lived in addictive, compulsive patterns, those things do gain greater control over our lives and I think do need to be um, monitored and managed in, uh, in, a, in a spiritual way, in an emotional way. They need to, we need to be careful that they are in the light with others and that we're talking those things out. And so I think many times where we stumble most is that we have unrealistic expectations of what God is supposed to right, do for right. us and, and the timeline that that looks like. And, and it's in, in those real unrealistic expectations, we become disenchanted and angry and we start bargaining with God or we start telling him, you're going to do it now or else, basically. And that doesn't ever go well for us, right? God, God does not, he's not going to be bribed um, by us, you know, functioning that way. And so I think the, the thing I want to communicate most is regardless of where we're at, regardless of what the struggles are, regardless of how far we've gone down a pathway of, you know, the, the, the culture has told us, oh, it's going to be so grand and wonderful. And we realize, oh, my goodness, uh, what have right. I done to myself? Um, no matter how far we've gone down that pathway, there is hope. And there's not just a little shred of hope. There is great hope. For because God loves you, God is for you. But the question is, are we going to turn and surrender to him? The real question isn't about, this is a foregone reality. The Bible is very clear. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. John three sixteen. God loves you. God loves the world, cares for the world. But the truth is, when we live lives that are contrary to what the Bible calls us to, we are not practicing love toward God. And, and so there has to be a surrender. There has to be a getting back up when we fail and going back to the cross. There has to be that communal life of walking with other, this band of brothers, this band of sisters, being in, in a local body of believers and learning to live out life together in a vulnerable way and in a way that's really supportive of one another in, in the way that God has called us to live our lives in a world that's broken but in a world that is in desperate need of a savior and, and, uh, and a Lord. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.